made me makes me think of the, another story. There's two really good stories, but uh, there were two guys. I don't remember. They were Salish speaking people, I think, if I remember right. Yeah, so they were like from uh, Washington, Idaho, that area. The story of a guy named Shining Shirt. And Shining Shirt goes out. Are you familiar with the story? He goes out and has on a vision quest, and he has a vision of this guy in a shining shirt. And a guy begins to lay out these teachings to him. And he goes back and teaches it to the people. All right. And then in one of the visions, the guy in the shining shirt says, there'll be these guys in these black robes and they're going to have these leaves. And on the leaves will be these words. Pay attention to the words on the leaves. Mm -hmm. Shining shirt passes, but he's passed all this information on to his people. Years later, I, and the guy, the guy's name is like Soaring Raven. I think it's, I may not have that right, but him and another couple of guys from their tribe get sent back east to Minnesota in that area somewhere and they run into these black robes. And the black robes show them a Bible. And when they see the Bible, there's the words on the leaves that Shining Shirt had been telling them. So they go back with the Bible and begin to teach their people, kind of like the, the native guy that you cited, you know, he encounters Christ and goes back and begins to teach his people. They go back and begin to tell their people so that finally when missionaries reach them from the Minnesota area to wherever it was they were, they reported back east. They said, these savages are more Christians than the people in our churches. <laughs> you know? <laughs> because they got it straight from God. Yeah. See, they yeah. let that, that heart got changed. He said, there's another story, in the, you know, if a guy named Red Jacket of the Seneca. And this is in Richard's book. He has a pretty good example of that. There's a, I can't remember what denomination the guy belonged to, like Presbyterian or uh, whatever it was around in that time period. And uh, he goes to these, the Seneca people, and he's he's trying to convince them. He's not trying to convince them. If you, if you read his story, he's not, like, he's not trying to present them to Jesus Christ or present mm -hmm. Jesus Christ to them. He's trying to get them to join his denomination. Mm -hmm. That's really what he was after. Mm -hmm. and, and and Red Jacket said to him, you know, he says, uh, we, we'd always known there was a father. Mm -hmm. It was a son that we had not heard of. Mm -hmm. And I, I, mean, I remember you telling me stories about when you were a kid. Absolutely. You know, that you knew there was a great spirit. You knew there was a, you know, a creator. And it goes back to even living that, having that relationship with the creator, but we didn't only talk about that relationship with the creator we lived it so someone can look at you and say oh, yeah you, you know you, you can tell who you follow and who you worship which is the creator growing up I worship every morning get up with the sun you know and thank the creator for the birds the air that we needed to breathe that gives us life that he gave us you know but I didn't know about his son until later <laughs> And what we did know about his son was those people over there that would talk about this, but they didn't live that way. Yeah. So we're like, we don't want nothing to do with <laughs> yeah, that. If that's that. what you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, I hear you're that. Not living what you're talking. Man. Yeah. It's, it's the difference between believing that because of, of something special you've done or some special knowledge yeah. you have gained, like Gnosis, that you deserve something. Yeah. And that, and then it's done. As opposed to living in a state of gratitude, which heart is pleasing, more pleasing to God? Absolutely. And people can get upset, you know. Even looking at even further south, the Quetzalcoatl. I'm probably not saying that right, but pretty darn close. But that's like a, uh, you know, that that was a shining light in their culture, and they knew, even as the Aztecs were slaughtering people, they knew that their God had told them He didn't like human sacrifice. Yeah. But they were—they had chosen to try to control dark powers 
because they were scared of the end of the world that was coming. But when, when you have a people who have gratitude in their hearts towards their creator, and you have a God who delights to reveal himself to mankind, what is the problem with believing that there is, that he can give that revelation? through shining shirt, through the, the, the people that are seeking him and will be pleased to be true to his word. I think that wherever he sees an open heart, he's willing to move. And while in the church they would say, well, they're not saved, they're not going to heaven unless they believe in Jesus, I'm content to let God decide <laughs> who gets into heaven. Yeah. And we are to judge each other by the fruit. That's how you, you test everything. See what is good. Judge the fruit. And when they're judging the fruit and there's no fruit in the church, but there is fruit in the people with a grateful heart, yeah. then there's a problem. There's something that's out of step with what they're saying they believe and what they really believe. Yeah, Let me ask you something. Because the Bible says, I draw near to the humble, but I oppose the proud. Mm. Saying God kicked out for being proud. That said, that's it, man. God was in opposition to him. I draw near to the humble. If you're not thankful or grateful, can you be humble? You can't, man. You have to be thankful. So you started every day out. Thank you, Creator, for this gift of life. This gift you—that's a position of humbleness. That opens the door for the possibility for God to begin to reveal Himself to you. He begins. To, you see what I'm saying? He begins to show himself, All right, that I can get near. That I can get next to. But if you aren't grateful, you can't be humble. And if you can't be humble, the opposite of humble is proud. If you can't be humble, that means you're proud. Pride always leads to selfishness. Selfishness always leads to pride. And when you got those, you ain't never going to be humble. And you can't be humble. You can't be grateful if you ain't humble. Yeah. Therefore, that puts you in a position where God himself has to oppose you and can't reveal himself yeah. to you. So when I get humble and I say, God, thank you for your amazing grace. Just like all those years ago in that one-room apartment, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You are God. When I said that, explosion hit me in my chest because he said, that I can get near to because that's getting humble. <laughs> I can get near to that. Matter of fact, I can get so near to it, I'll come inside there and invade the darkness and drive it out. You know? The, the Egyptians, there was a guy, I don't know if I said this already, there was a guy who believed that they served one God like that there before all of these gods came out that they had served one united god he he translated one of their words that he means mighty and the way they were praising using it to praise in their oldest works he thought you know it seems like they're worshiping one true god and that ra the sun is a representation of them and this other one is a representation of them and there were other ones that represented cities that they raised up but eventually they start corrupting this idea this sun that represents God's radiant light, they begin to look at it as if it were a God because God is invisible. You cannot approach God without the humility that I can't even see you. I, I, you know, I don't even have the power to perceive mm. you. And that's humbling just to come yeah. to an invisible God and worship him. But a sun, at least you can see it, and you begin to feel a little bit more controlled to the point That's where the pride. Egyptian magic was focused on the amulets and the prayers and trying to bargain with spirits. Something bad's going to happen. I'm going to bargain with this spirit who's tougher mm. than that one and make yeah. this thing happen. You begin to try to control it. And the church, who had the truth, 
begins to align themselves with dark forces to control people through fear. And so it's almost like they are practicing dark magic and they have turned to alternative gods, even though they might say they're worshiping the one God. But when they act that way, not saying the whole church, then they have forsaken the God who gave them this freedom. And they're robbing that freedom from other people. And they're binding them and saying, you know, these are the rules and this is the control. And we're seeing the result of that in the church and the things that are happening in, in different places where that was the way they operate. It's not going well for them. And in places where the freedom of God has been allowed to to flourish and the, the hearts have been seeking for him, they are they're seeing the results of what they have searched for. So even inside the church, you have to judge by the fruit. You have to sift, take what is good, test everything. How'd that work out for the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Yeah. You know, they still followed the rules. And and, and then in hypocrisy, because in following them rules, you're going to learn out that you can't keep them. But they had to put on the pretense that they actually was. Yeah. And they start believing a lie, but because they believe in a lie, they're trying to control everybody else and make them to believe the same trash. A book that was like probably 10 times the size of the law of the the, the little side regulations that they'd made yeah. to make themselves righteous with the, the law on the yeah. side. <laughs> <clears throat> Let me ask you a question. Back to culture. Are the Jews God's chosen people? Yes, they are. The book says they're my chosen people. Now, let me ask you something. If you chosen for something... I mean, that question in itself gives it to you. If you're chosen, there has to be a reason why you were chosen. And it has to be for what were you chosen? Well, if you look in the book, I looked at because I started thinking and wondering. In the book, it says, I chose Israel because they was the least. Yeah. In a way, you can say they was the least likely to get it right. And boy, they sure didn't. You know, I chose them because they were smallest and the least. Now, okay, so I, now I know why you're chosen. I know why I'm chosen, because I'm the least. I'm the least likely, all right? Uh, then, okay, so we got the why. So the what for, what were they chosen for? See, that's where the Pharisees and them began to lose it, and that's where it chose, some true religions began to lose it. They think, well, we're God's chosen people because just because we are. And because we're chosen by God, we get to act any way we want. No, you were chosen because you was the least. There's a for what? They were chosen so that, and it says in the book, that they were to reflect God, the light of God, to the heathen world. So the why is because you're the least, and the for is so that you reflect Jesus Christ, so you reflect God to the world. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, get chosen the same way. We're chosen because we're the least, and our reason we're chosen is so that we let the light of Christ shine out. Not the rules and regulations of the church. No matter what abomination you belong to, I mean denomination you belong to, all them rules and regulations don't mean deadly. You know, if you ain't got the light shining out, was Paul, who was it, which one of them guys said, look, even if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I ain't got love, then I'm nothing but a banging noisy symbol. You might be beating on a trash can lid, you know. Because <clears throat> you ain't putting nothing but trash out there. You ain't letting no light shine. You ain't letting no love come through. And it's the love that will change. It's the love that changed you. It's the love that changed you. It's the love that changed me. 
And as I begin to get humble and follow Christ and let him come and reveal himself to me. And maybe he'll talk to you. Maybe he'll talk to you through, you know, in the natural world. Because he said all the nature speaks to me. You know? Uh, someone I was talking to recently, he watches some show called uh, um, Ancient Aliens. You know, I never have seen the show. I'm like, I got no desire. But he said, God talked to him out of that one. I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> if that's what, you know, whatever. God talked to you through the radio. God talked Absolutely. to you through the TV. Absolutely. You know, I told you that story, you know, when I was a rookie follower of Jesus, I didn't know nothing. Man, I'm still just fresh from the biker world. I only believed there was a God for five months when I came to Alaska. So early on, I found a, a movie. I didn't know what I was watching. It's called, I don't remember, Blue Velvet or something. Blue something, I don't remember. But it was about this father that took his son and gave the son to a hooker. So she, he could learn about life, you know, the birds and the bees from the hooker. But the son fell in love with the hooker. And the son began to chase the hooker and pursue her, trying to convince her that he loved her. And she just ran from him and ran from him. Yeah. And finally, the son got the hooker to believe and they got married, and they went and moved into a nice little churchified community. And all the church folk in that community found out where that girl come from. And they went and played a video about her in the school gymnasium. And it so shamed the girl that she ran away from the sun again. But the sun pursued her again until finally he caught her and convinced her again of his love, no matter where she came from. Now, when I watched that picture show, it had ladies, because they're hookers, man. They were, you know, in scanty, you know, lingerie and whatnot. Some church folks say, oh, what are you doing watching something like that, you heathen? You know, hey, but I was only one step away from a heathen. I didn't know at that time. But you know what I saw in that picture show? I was the hooker. Mm. I was the run running from God. Yeah. I was the one running from the son who was pursuing me time and time again to try and prove his unconditional love for me. Now I've learned, having been an old biker, you know, me and God got something in common. We've both been weird so long we're okay with it, you know? I'd, I've had church folk talk about me, and I didn't know they was talking about me. I could care less if you talk yeah. about me, really, you know? It, it just come talk to me to my face. Don't do it behind my back, right. you know? I, I don't know if I told this story in one of the episodes, but <clears throat> when when Juan and I was about to get married, I'm, I'm just a rookie follower of Jesus, uh, and uh, maybe about a year, we're about to get married, and uh, I'm just going to church, man. I'm just trying to find out about Jesus. You know, I'd go listen to Mary Glazier teach all the time. Mm -hmm. I'd go to Reverend Dick Strikes, listen to him teach all the time. You know, and I'm just trying to learn about Jesus. Well, we're about to get married, and and, and I'm sharing a pad with one of stepbrother, and uh, she had to move out her, her place, and I said, well, look, I can't afford two places. Why don't you move in with your brother and I? You can have the bedroom. I'll sleep on the couch and we'll behave and it'll be cool, all right? And I thought, you know what? I have never done the right thing my whole life. I thought, if ever I'm going to do the right thing, I'm going to do the right thing by this girl. And so we lived in the same house together. She slept in that bedroom. I slept on that couch every night. And we would be in Have. But I go to church one night and my mother-in-law-to-be comes to me and she says, you know, uh, the Bible uh, says you should avoid the appearance of evil. I said, well, Mama, I didn't think we was doing nothing evil. You know, she said, well, you and Wanda got to get two different places to stay because people are coming to me, talking to me about you. And I looked at her and said, Mama, if they're coming to you, talking about me, then they're coming to the wrong person, then ain't they? I said, you tell them, I don't care if it's the preacher himself. You got a problem with me, come talk to me face to face and we'll deal with it. Mm -hmm. And she cried and I hugged her and said, Mama, I'm sorry I made you cry, but you better get a good look because this is what you're getting. 
And I went home that night and I slept on the couch the way that I always did. But all of a sudden, I'm having a dream. And in the dream, I'm up by the ceiling, all the way back to dreams from the beginning. And I'm up by the ceiling and can look back and see myself sleeping on the couch. Mm. The next thing I know, I'm on the other side of the wall by the back door of the house in the kitchen. And there's a guy standing at the stove with his back to me. He's got a black hooded robe on, you know. And the guy talks to me. He says, that really hurt you, didn't it? And people talking about you like that, that really bothered you, didn't it? And he sounded like he really cared, you know. I didn't know who the guy was. If I'd have known who he was, I probably would have ran out the back door and left myself on the couch, you know? <laughs> but I didn't know who he was. I said, yeah, man, that bothered me. And then the guy's voice changed. And he went, yeah, and I'm going to make it burn. I'm going to fan those flames and make it burn. When he did that, the best way I can describe this to you is like a beam of light got connected to my empty old head. And then it came these words. And I said, that's not going to work, Satan, because I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I did that, that guy stood up like that. I said, ooh, that had an effect on him. So I pointed at him, said it a second time. I said, I said, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I did that, the guy turned around. I did not see him take no steps. He's just all of a sudden right in front of me. He's a little bit taller than me, and he's looking down at me. And his eyes were pure black. I could not see no pupil in him. His face, you ever see somebody with them real bad pock marks in their face? This guy's face looked like that, but... Way worse. He looked, his face was so pitted and marred up. He literally looked like he'd been destroyed from the inside out, from the bitterness and hatred in him. He looked at me with them black eyes and went, If only I could kill you, I would. I looked back in them black eyes and said, I said, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that he disappears. Poof, like that. Boom, instantaneously. Bam, I sat up on that couch full on wide awake. You could feel fear everywhere in the room. I saw Wanda's stepbrother coming down the hall in his boxer shorts with a shotgun in his hand. I thought, well, it worked on the shame. should work on the fear. I rebuked that fear in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I went back to sleep peaceful as could be. Got up the next morning. I'm having coffee with Wanda at the table. And this is where the story gets weird. But Wanda's brother comes up to me and she looks at my wife and looks at me and goes, what in the world's going on here? I said, what do you mean, man? He goes, man, last night in the middle of the night, I heard the most awful wailing sound come from the kitchen. Scared me so bad I came out with my shotgun, but no one was there. He said, I went back to my room. He said, I was so afraid I couldn't sleep for over three hours. Wanda said, I heard it too. But I just prayed in tongues and went back to sleep. I looked at her stepbrother and said, look, the Satan, he was in your kitchen last night, and I rebuked him in the name of Jesus. <laughs> a couple of, how do I dream it, but two other people hear and feel it? I cannot explain that to you. Mm -hmm. Another interesting side note was, when I said rebuke in the name of the Lord, he just simply disappeared in front of me. I did not hear no wailing sound. Mm -hmm. But the two other people outside heard the wailing sound. Now, I have no explanation for that. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the point was that, the folk would, they were talking behind my back. They were talking. I didn't know they were. You see what I'm saying? And in that particular case, Satan tried to use that to put a wedge in there. Absolutely. You see? But he came in with that fear. Mm -hmm. Just like even church folk, just like religious folk, will use that fear mm -hmm. to try and control and manipulate. You look at all the religions and the denominations, and they all got their rules and their regulations, and they all fighting with one another over who got the right rules and the right regulations. Maybe you all got it wrong. It ain't about the rules and the regulations, because Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the justice. 
justice required by the law. And he said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. I didn't come to give you more rules and regulations. I come to set you free. I come to give you those in unalienable, whatever alienable rights they were. I come to give them to you. I have rights as an adopted son of God. I have rights when I take my shoes off and I surrender my rights to him. And the way you can know when Joshua did that, the angel gave him the battle plan. He said, as soon as you surrender your rights to me. And yeah, interesting, the angel said, I'm, I'm a captain of the army of God. I'm the big dog. And as soon as Joshua surrendered his rights, the angel gave him the battle plan. But the interesting part is, even this chosen people of God, are you for us or for our enemies? Not for anybody. I'm here. And he has one person he listens to. And he's not there to, to save the day for the Christian people, for the Israelite people, for the bad guys. He's there because God sent him there. And that's what he's going to do is, is what God said. We, we like to think, you know, I'm a Christian, so all the good things are on my side. Well, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Right. <laughs> you know? It's, not, it's yeah. not whose side is the angel on. It's whose side are you on. <laughs> exactly. You know. <laughs> that that uh, video that you mentioned, you know, something stirred the heart of this guy. And he, he's a Hollywood, he's making a picture, he's putting the skimpy girls in, all of this stuff, but something stirred his heart to portray a story that could convey to you the heart of God. Mm. And God is, is re God reveals himself, not just through nature itself, but through the yearning of the heart of man. And, and stirring up this desire and, and the great storytellers, the great, um, and, and the seekers of old in every culture. God said, I'm not far from you. I'm going to plant this seed in your heart, or I'm going to meet you where you're at because you're seeking. And he's able to plant these stories and, and he, the, these cultures that are growing up, that he is able to plant seeds in looking toward that future, I'm going to complete this picture for you because you have these pieces and I'm going to show you what the whole thing looks like when I have redeemed it, when I have made it complete. As he did for the Israelites, a, a, a vision that Paul grabbed and ran with. This is the completed, the fulfilled Israelite culture. But then he turns back to the Israelites and says, you can't put your culture on these people. They're going to discover what their completed, fulfilled culture is in God. And that's how the way it has to be. Each time we pass this message on, you are going to discover what, what God's fulfillment is for your culture, for your life, for your... We have to pass it on in the same freedom in which we received it. Yeah, and both said we had to pass that on in the same freedom. Give out the same grace you received. Yeah. If you'll let me, I'll change your life for you. It's a lifetime event. And as he's changing your life, it's going to change the culture around it. it. Takes me to the point where I, I got up one morning and I, I God spoke to me and says, You be holy as I am holy. I said, I'm sorry, God, but you got the wrong guy. That's because I don't even know what that means. Mm -hmm. I walk down the stairs. I put the radio on. Third day, come on singing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. I said, well, that's kind of weird. Had my coffee. I went to walk out to my shop as I walked down across my property. I hear God speak to me. He said, even though you don't understand it, 
declare it to be so because I am. Mm -hmm. And if you will declare it to be so, I will change the land around you. I will change the atmosphere around you. And I'll change the man on the inside. I walked in my shop, put on the little iPod thing my kids gave me, and third day come on singing, holy, holy, holy. I ran out of my property. I put my hands up, started shouting, going, I don't understand it, but I know that you are. You are holy, holy, holy. So, you know, for the most part, for me, I wanted the man on the inside to change. But when the man on the inside changes, that means wherever I walk because of Jesus Christ, the same freedom that's in me is going to The atmosphere around me is going to change, and the land around me is going to change. The culture is going to get changed because I let him change me. And yeah, maybe the guy that wrote that movie, he didn't even know. Maybe he didn't even know. Yeah. But maybe that was God reaching out to him Just going, hey, dude. Stirring. What if a love so persistent and strong existed? This I, this what if idea that burning in his head that he can't get rid of that uh, he has to express in this, uh, whatever way he can. As he's writing a movie, what if he's having the realization, <laughs> well, I'm the hooker. I'm the hooker. You know? And even in our word for... Which is Nakotani, which in our language is describing the Father who's above. He's above everything. He's in the sky or above everything else. Is that's the Father that's above everything else? That's how it's described. Yeah. That word in our language. That's the word that they yeah. use for him. Like when Paul came to the Greeks, he said, "You've erected this. wasn't a statue either, but you've erected this plaque to the unknown God. I'm here to reveal." Who this God is that you're worshiping and you don't know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they had it. They had it. They had a knowing that there had to be one out there that was different than all these other ones. Because yeah. these other ones ain't working very good. So I, then, if you say it that way, beyond the God that they had created, they had to go. There has to be a God that we can't create. Yeah, there has being, to be a God. If you're being honest with yourself, <laughs> there has to be something beyond everything you've made up and imagined and created. Yeah. Got to be something bigger and better, you know, because <laughs> we're all limited by our, you know, our frail imagination. You know, and I survived the 70s, dude. I got a, I could, you know, my daughter said, well, yeah, but you have a special brain, Papa, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I'm sure I can't, you know, I know that I can't imagine, you know, if I was to create God, there's no way I could do it out of my imagination to, to encompass or to, to fit all that God really is. You know, yeah. If, if you think you know God, then you're deluding yourself. <laughs> and if you if you have ideas about God, the f first thing you got to know is all of that has to be ready to be burnt up. <laughs> and, and because it's he's not there to reveal himself completely to people. You get to see a part and you get to chase after that. And as you're chasing after it, he's revealing more things to you. And as you align yourself with these truths, he begins to show you how to walk and act and move with him. And you still have to rely on the people around you. You know, I see this part of God. I see this part of God. And you can argue about the elephant as the tail or the yeah. trunk, or you can just come together. No, we can get a pretty good picture of God when we all come together in unity. Yeah, you're all, we're all getting a different, he's revealing a different side of himself to each of us, you know. You're all seeing it, it's like the, the Native people are going to see with that Native perspective, you know. I, I love that because if you, you know, the color that's in Native uh, culture, and if you see God in all that color and all that beauty, 
You know, but you're going to get a perspective over here that I can't get. And the, the resistance to that is is fear. If you're afraid, you know, I'm afraid because, there, you know, maybe there's some witchcraft or some spirit things that are going to come in and invade me. Well, do you know God? Can you taste and see? Can you test what is good? Or, or you know, have you... Have you never attempted to create that relationship to the point where you know what is good and what is evil, or you know what is of God and what is not? And you can. That is possible. Just like I said, if you can hear the voice of God, you're going to hear the voice of Satan. And you've just got to learn to recognize the difference in the two. You know, one's gonna, one's always going to come with fear. You know, and one's always going to come with life. But he, he comes to you first. With consolation. Oh, the yeah, trying to make it look good. Hear. Oh, yeah, yeah, trying to make it look good. Yeah. You know, Everybody's mean to you, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make it burn, he says. And then there's yeah. people who just sit there with that burning inside of them and letting it grow, never realizing that you've moved. You, you've, you've taken a completely different path from where you said you were going. Geared off that one degree, that's going to turn into miles. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. How'd we do? I, I think we're good. Okay. Do you got anything else to? Wait, we could go on for a long while, dude. We you go know, on for days. What? What does have to do a camp out one time? <laughs> <laughs> You're on a campfire at the outhouse. 